Hello, hello, my dear audience. Hello, my fellow participants in the dialogue about health, healing, consciousness, spirituality, and search for meaning. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today, once again, uh, is an open mic show, uh, half of the show, to be precise. Let's agree that I will take your calls in the second part of the show. First, I want to do a little show and tell, and then answer the email of a person who asked me to speak about uh, depression and anxiety through an email. I kind of started this last week, uh, but couldn't complete the subject because we ran out of time. So I want to finish what I started last week. So now show and tell. Yesterday around 12.30 in the afternoon, I was driving from the gym where I was going to swim and play pickleball. And I put the radio on WBAI, which is one of my favorite stations. And there was Gary Null saying, if I talk to a person who has a problem, mental or emotional problem, I do not ask them about the symptoms. I ask them about their values. Why? Why if a person has, let's say, hemorrhoids or depression or cancer, why would Gary ask before anything about their values? Because, and it is my understanding, and that is what I've been sharing with people for many years, physical symptoms are simply an expression of the physical world of your body. The imbalances and conflicts that you may have on the mental and or emotional plane of your being. When you have certain values, and everyone lives by values, even if it's values that say, steal, cheat, rob, and kill to get what you want, but it's still values. When we are in conflict with our values, that is when disorder begins. As Scott Peck wrote about 40 years ago in a wonderful book, The Roads Less Traveled, the symptoms and the illness are not the same thing. The illness exists long before symptoms. Rather than being the illness, the symptoms are the beginning of cure. How can it be? Because if you understand the meaning of the symptoms, then you understand what changes you need to make. Or, you, as Gary Noll said, if you understand what your values are and how you do not live up to your values, then you have the same but uh, answer, but you come just from a different direction. If you want to see yourself as a victim of people, of circumstances, of geography, of race, of gender, you will definitely find confirmation to why it is so, and it why it should be that way and stay that way forever. I heard someone say, if you fight for your limitations, you might just get to keep them. By the way, uh, do you know what your values are? It's very important to be clear what they are. If you want, I can send you uh, an email. If you email me to Dr. Peter Resnick 
drpetreznik.com, D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K.com. If you email me and request, just write 54, because it's 54 different values uh, you will see on the sheet. And, and what I want you to do is to choose 18 that are most important, and then reduce 18 to 10 and then write them in hierarchy of priorities. And then you see a clear picture of what's most important to you. And then you have to live by those values. But if you don't completely live by those values, that's not doesn't mean that you're a bad person, you let yourself down, you betrayed yourself. No, it's simply you're aspiring to have those values. And one, you can uh, start working on living up to those values. If you find it difficult, call in. I will gladly share with you my ideas of how to work on um, mastering yourself so you could live by your values. Okay? Okay, now uh, we will talk about anxiety and depression. As I said, I think to you last week, when I read the email, I had this feeling that a person was going through something, going through that anxiety and depression and self-perception issues. And I felt like I needed to, to respond. It is estimated that 18 million people, 18 million adults suffer from depression every year in the United States. That is about one out of 19 people. So if you walk on the street and, you know, you go by many people, if you walk uh, for 10 blocks, you probably pass by a couple of hundred people know that four or five of them are depressed. I'm not talking about just sad about something that happened, but seriously depressed. That's why a late Robin Williams wrote, everyone you meet is fighting the war you know nothing about. Be kind always. He understood that every person has a story. And some stories are sad, regardless of whether they're sad because of their cir people's circumstances, or they're sad because people are stuck on certain thoughts pat thought patterns. One way or another, if a person is suffering, a person is suffering. The suggested origins of depression vary from genetic predisposition to neurological problems to inadequate diet uh, or poor quality of sleep. Very often depression is experienced along with anxiety. One may say, how can it be? Depression is about the past. Uh, a person didn't get something, a person lost something, a person is regretful, remorseful, guilty. And anxiety all, is all about the future. I tell you how anything, even slightly negative event, circumstance, triggers anxiety, thoughts like this. Whatever it is um, that comes, um, a person begins to think about the consequences and, and the consequences, but because a person is depressed, the consequences imagined consequences are usually doom and gloom. So not only a person is in doom and gloom from the past, whether they feel uh, uh, grief or, or guilt or 
remorse, but also they have now anxiety about this never ending. Everything is exaggerated. A little event that in the past would make a person sad or angry, throw them uh, in a state of hopelessness and depression. The answer to depression is not to, quote, knock people out of their depressive state as quickly as possible. The answer, I believe, lies in helping them find new and effective ways of coping with life's challenges and, or their, uh, their feelings. It lies in guiding them to make peace with their losses and find meaning uh, to their lives. The answer lies in assisting people in the development of tools and strategies that they may use in the pursuit of their goals. And you will say, what if there are no goals, then there is a problem. There is a problem. You know, I, I quoted a number of times to you, uh, the book by Viktor Frankl, Men's Search for Meaning. And the difference between life and death is whether a person has meaning or not. But if, you, if you, a person does not have any goals, doesn't have any visions, well, I can, I can tell you how you can find the goal right this very moment. Finding the goal can be the goal on its own. And we have now internet, you can ask questions. But remember, the way you ask questions will give you very different answers. Which means if, if you ask why I am a loser, <laughs> So it will throw you into this abyss of guesses and, and the computer will start telling you why you're a loser. You're a loser because your mama dropped you on your head when you were a child. There is brain damage uh, because you are of a different um, race or of a different um, disposition because you grew up in, in a certain environment. There will be always an answer why you are the way you are. But if you ask a question, what? What can I do to get where I want to get? Or what can I do to find out what I really want? Because I don't know, what can I do to find purpose? So then you will get very different answers, because it will be about the purpose. It's about, about what you can do rather than sitting uh, and feeling sad for yourself or depressed. What is depression? Let's consider first the term itself. And I think uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago, I already spoke to you about depression. And I spoke about the term depression. It's very important uh, because language is important. Language evolves slowly over hundreds, uh, most of the time, thousands of years. At the base of most words are verbs, the verbs carrying a particular pictorial, pictorial uh, meaning, which means people were communicating very simply, take, give, run, and so on. So these pictures, that images uh, rooted in words themselves, have deep connection with the origin, the original human observations that led to the development of the initial word itself. The word depression comes from the Latin word depressio, which means pressing down. And if you think, 
what happens to people who are depressed, people who are suffering from depression, uh, feel like there is something pressing them down, you will see they hunched, up, hunched over, um, their breathing is shallow, um, because they're hunched over, so their lungs are collapsed, kind of the, the rib cage collapsed, so they don't breathe well, whether it is guilt, remorse, grieving, or longing for something that did not happen, there is always a burden that is weighing upon a person who is depressed. This burden is a feeling of loss that they cannot go through or move beyond. Feeling sad or being depressed about loss is a common occurrence in everyday life. Life is challenging. You know, the teachings of the Buddha begins with the word life is difficult. We'll all go through ups and downs through our mini depressions and mini rebounds. The majority of people uh, who go through these days or weeks of being depressed or having a loss get better. Their attention is taken by other things in their lives, daily responsibilities, new goals, new relationships, new opportunities. Shortly, things that are meaningful to them require their attention and pull them out of this sadness or grief. These setbacks or rebounds happen to many people, but not to all people. Some people do not have rebounds. Uh, at least don't have the rebounds that are strong enough to bring them back into the flow of everyday life. Why do some people rebound while others don't? This question, while is tempting to ponder uh, in, the, in the therapeutic context, it's not fruitful to explore. Uh, it's really not. I came to this conclusion in a number of um, psychologists, psychiatrists that I share these beliefs with as well, and of course my students. Uh, I encourage them not to try to figure out why. Because the answer to, uh, uh, the attempt to answer this question uh, will take a person into a, an abyss of infinite guesses. We may ne never know why a person is not recovering from depression quickly enough or doesn't rebound quickly enough. We may never know. To every guess, we can have another guess if you think it's because of your parents, but maybe it's before your parents, maybe it's coming through genetic line, maybe from your grandparents and great grandparents. That's horizontal kind of genetic material. And if you think vertically, if you believe in past lives, maybe you brought it from past lives. Maybe it's not just because you grew up in such so such and such environment, how do you know? And even if you identify something, how do you know before that before that, there was no not something else. That's why the question why is not a useful question. I encourage people to always ask a question what, rather than why what, what can I do to make it better? You understand now, right? You understand there is a problem. So there is nothing you don't waste your time thinking why the only useful thing about why is is 
If you know it's a pattern and it needs to be in, in fact, in some cases, the event or circumstance that originally triggered depression may no longer exist or become well, may become irrelevant. However, for people who are experiencing depression, the focus on negativity and sadness becomes a deeply ingrained, ingrained, entrenched habit. From the moment they wake up, the doom and gloom of the present, the bleak events of the past, or the grim perspective for the future become an unavoidable focus of their attention. But the question is, is it really unavoidable? Mahatma Gandhi said, every night I go to sleep, I die. And in the morning, I am born again. And indeed, every morning we have 16, 17, 18 brand new hours to live. The way we go through this 15, 16, 17, 18 hours, depending on how much you sleep, largely depends on our thoughts. Our thoughts affect the way we feel. And the way we feel determines our behavior. And the consequences of our actions have an impact on our thoughts. It is a cycle that every day uh, we can define our life anew. As long as we watch how we think. That's I think it's an ancient Chinese a proverb. Uh, watch your thoughts, they become your feelings. Watch your feelings, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. So sometimes people, it seems that a person is destined to be depressed. No, it's just slowly they evolved into this that became their seemingly destiny but it became deeply ingrained habit. Uh, people who are depressed may not choose to have sad thoughts from the get-go. Depressed thoughts just come. They wake up and boom, they're, they're already there. They wake up and find themselves overcome with sad thoughts. However, although we may have no control over the particular thoughts, that appear in our mind, we do have control over what we do with those thoughts once we become aware of them. Uh, and the way out of depression, or, or at least one way, and it, it still requires an effort, is through becoming aware of thought patterns so that we can attempt uh, to, to interrupt the negative thinking pattern. Only then can one begin to release the guilt and or regret about losses in life and create a new vision of life and move toward fulfilling possibilities and a new vision. And again, a person after, after having certain loss, they may have no vision, no vision at all, but just hopelessness. 
then here is it, and they feel like there is nothing will happen, nothing will change. I, I have nothing to live for. I'm reminding you, and at that moment, a person doesn't have uh, kind of um, how to say, I don't want to say it doesn't have the creativity, even though, yes, creativity is impaired when the person is depressed, but it just doesn't come to them this thought and that's why i want to repeat it so you remember doesn't come to them this thought that yes i don't have a goal now i don't have a purpose but the purpose of finding the purpose is a purpose as well for some reason people are so stuck on this emptiness but remember the emptiness is space that is the beginning of fullness. The emptiness is a space that you can fill through searching for purpose. You see, so that is when, when, when you, if you feel down, if you feel hopeless, you have to ask yourself, okay, what, what is there out there in the world that could make me inspired? What is, and if nothing comes, what were the, my dreams when I was five, six years old, or when I was 12 years old, what did I want to do with my life? What were my inspirations? And I've seen people sometimes connect with their hopes of childhood and suddenly become inspired to do something. Even if it's a temporary destruction, that's also okay. When to, to make steps and find that, no, it's not something I want to do, that's success. The worst is no movement. It's indecision. So uh, the, yeah, I want to share with you a 10 step process of overcoming depression. Note that in order to succeed in the following process, in order to implement necessary life changes, you may need assistance of a mental health professional. Uh, each of the 10 steps is a is a creative and deliberate process requiring knowledge of therapeutic tools and some tools I can share with you. And again, you're absolutely welcome to call and, and you don't need to give your name and to ask questions. Even, to, even today, you know, I, I will soon offer you to call. You can ask questions and I will um, speak about each of the 10 steps that you can make. And, and share with you the tools. Every, I will not bring up any issue, I want you to know, I will not bring up any issue unless I have something to offer to, to address this issue. Uh, we have enough, enough pain in the world just to whine or to just uh, to uh, state negativity and, and live with it. We already know that there, there are problems, so there is no need to repeat them. And if I say something as an issue, I will surely offer you tools to overcome it. Wait, uh, <laughs> you may say, did I forget about anxiety? Uh, what about anxiety that may go with depression? With anxiety, in, in depression is a, a kind of more debilitating uh, experience, even though anxiety can become panic, can be also quite debilitating. But 
my suggestion is when you feel anxious, first of all, you allow yourself to experience it. Just become aware. People who are anxious become anxious about also being anxious, and they double their anxiety because they feel, oh, what will happen? Nothing will happen. Become aware of how you feel. Say to yourself, I feel this and this. Like, let's say, but notice your physical sensations. I feel my heart is beating fast. I'm sweating. I feel anxious. Remember, every feeling has its energy. And every energy or, or any energy is not inexhaustible. It runs out uh, of energy. So if you stay with it without fighting, without telling stories, oh, it will never end, what will happen to me? No, just feel this um, anxiety in your body. You will find that it will subside. Uh, if you want me to talk more about anxiety, I, I can spend more time. Just one more two little tools. If you feel anxious, again, you identify where you feel anxious in your body. Don't try to talk yourself out of it. Remember, anxiety is not a logical process. Uh, but just focus on the, the, the part of the body where you feel it, whether it's in your chest, in your belly, uh, in your neck, and then slowly, very slowly stop by breathing out and count in your mind from one to nine, one to 10, and then breathe in on a count from one to five, breathing out slowly, breathing in normally. You do eight, nine breaths like this, uh, and you will definitely calm the anxiety because remember when you breathe out slowly breathe in normally you stimulate vagus the quieting nerve that goes from your brain medulla for, to lungs heart and stomach and you definitely relax uh, keep in mind what i will say next right now if you feel it cannot get better like if you are really listening to me and still feeling so sad. Remember, it's common for the state you are in, but it does get better. But if a person is seriously depressed, remember, it feels like it will not get better. The worst is to be become hopeless. And when you feel very depressed, you're feeling very hopeless. And that is simply because more than likely you are by yourself and there is no one there to reassure you. And again, now, how can somebody reassure you that it will get better? Because most people have seen other people going through tough time and getting better. Most millions of people were right where you are and are right where you are right now. And it, it's okay. You just have to know that these dark waves will be over. You know that the night is the darkest just before the dawn. So you have to keep it in mind. And here are 10, ten um, steps, if you want to call it, what, of what you do. Number one, if it's possible, connect with people you trust. Call them, humble yourself, tell them how you feel. It's not, you know, it's in the Bible even written, it says not good for a man to be alone. It's not good to be able to deal with it on your own. People with whom you can share your pain, 
if you are able and willing to do it. Inform that, inform them that you don't want need them to solve your problems, that you just need their attention. You need a compassionate ear and sometimes a shoulder to cry on. Uh, that human connection is super important. But most of the time, not all the time, when people are, are depressed, they feel alone. And they, they may be in a relationship, but for sure, then that means this relationship is not nourishing. They cannot share their pain. Or they're with somebody who begins to give them reasons. Why would you be depressed? Look at this and look at that. That's a very bad approach. You cannot help a person by making them feel guilty. Now, in addition to feel depressed, they feel guilty and ungrateful that so many good things are happening in their life and they're still feeling depressed. It doesn't work. If they're depressed, there is a reason for it. And yes, you want them eventually to begin to ask that question, what can I do to become undepressed, to feel better, but not by giving them answers, possibly giving them the, the tools, yes, and now this is the tool number one, but first, don't try to make, to, to heal them by telling them why, what they should or shouldn't feel, what they should, should not focus. First, simply compassionate being there, listening to a people's pain already is healing for people who are depressed. So number one, allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling without making any judgment or interpretation about the feelings that you have. Know that as you stay with and name your feelings without resenting them uh, or resenting yourself for that matter, for having these feelings, the feelings themselves will subside in intensity. Do this for as long as it takes to truly connect with and name how you feel, whatever it takes one hour or days, that's by the way, number two, uh, connect with your feelings. So the first you connect with other people and the second connect with your feelings without judgment. Step three, after the step two, you can now look at the content of depressing thoughts. Remember in the beginning, you didn't look, you just connected with them. Now you think and ask yourself this, do I feel this way when I think about something that actually happened? Or do I feel this way because I just have negative thoughts, self-blame, regrets, guilt, or fears? You understand what this question? That is, is it a story that a person made up based on a person's conclusions about his or her life? or an event happened. Then ask yourself, what issues can be addressed and resolved through de deliberate action? And what issues are product of cognitive errors? You see? So something, if, if something happened, which is negative and you feel depressed, you actually can take action. You have to think about it. But some things you just, uh, it's a cognitive error. You make 
has to make up a story. This is where uh, probably help of the help of a professional or insightful friend might be useful so that you can run the previously identified thoughts by them. That is perhaps some it, it is uh, a cognitive error. That is a person may feel depressed because something did not happen or somebody did not give them respect. And they feel they're in the, in the right, not in the right place in their life. And it's a cognitive error. They need to, to know that they are exactly in the right place in their life. Why? Because this, whatever they did in their life brought them to this point. There is no, absolutely no reason to stay in this place and feel bad about it. It's a cognitive error. Without them being in this place, uh, they could not move to the next that, uh, stage that is yet to come. And without have, having done whatever they did last year, they couldn't become who they are today. Life is a flow. So whenever you are in some place, you are always in the right place at the right time. There is no such thing, wrong place or wrong corner at the wrong time. Nothing happens by chance. Everything is meaningful. That's what you accept. Step four, do the work of clarifying or finding meaning for living your life. That's very important. You have to be clear of what your life is about, what you will be living uh, this year by, what fills your life, whether it's children, learning, making money, giving away money, uh, taking care of yourself. But you have to know the purpose, what will fill you a year at least. In step five, identify and learn the tools you need in the pursuit of that which makes your life meaningful. So first, you, uh, it's step four, you identify what would make your life meaningful. And number five, it's you begin to gather tools, just like, you know, if you go decide to go up the mountain, you have to know what shape you're in, and then what tools you need, equipment you need to climb. The same thing in your social life, the same thing in your professional life. Step six, make an absolute commitment, a written statement, not mentally, you write down to do all that is necessary to fulfill your intention. And write about the price you pay now and will pay in the future, right? One year from now, five years from now, intent years from now, if you are not totally committed to succeed. I repeat, write about a price you pay now and will pay in the future, one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if you are not totally committed to succeed. And then on a separate sheet of paper, write rewards for succeeding and the impact that your effort will have on your life one year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Number seven, develop or strengthen your voluntary will so you could follow through with your commitment. Start practicing the wit. I told you that the techniques, I told you I developed 
already maybe 15 years ago with will integration training. If you send me an email, you have my email, drpeteresnik.com uh, at gmail.com. Uh, I will send you a whole write-up on the WIT, Will Integration Training. It's step-by-step uh, tools that you practice to develop, to strengthen your voluntary will, your willpower. Step eight, keep weeding out negative and depressive thoughts from your mind. Uh, you can choose how you can do it. The thought comes, you know, like when they have little cartoons and there is a bubble and something is written in this Bible. So imagine, don't go into the content of the depressive thought, but imagine the thought appearing. When it appears, imagine it becomes a bubble and you send away the bubble. See it being taken by the wind. Step number nine. By the way, those of you who, who have questions um, and who want to make a call, get ready because after step number 10, I will welcome your calls. Step nine, consult a, a nutrition, good nutritionist or naturopathic doctor or qualified, qualified person who, who you know has good record in knowing nutrition. and consult for a nutritional program that may help to improve the symptoms of depression. Again, it does not, you, you, better nutrition doesn't resolve the problems. You need to deal with all the things above that I mentioned, but it will be a helpful tool. Further, uh, take stock of your sleep hygiene and water intake. You have to drink water remember six, eight glasses a day and sleep. It's super important. The one time in my life, I had more than a week of sleeplessness. We will not go into the details, but it was, it's like a, a nightmare. It's, I still remember it was very difficult to get out of it. And uh, that it will exacerbate any problem that you have. Sleep is super important. You do everything you, you get. Uh, supplements you uh, again I can uh, if you write to me I will tell you uh, specific uh, tools you can do if you have if your problem uh, suffering from insomnia I had to deal with a lot of people and as I told you even myself one time uh, after after emotional uh, uh, experience disturbing emotional experience I had difficulty sleeping and then it becomes so perpetuating system, you begin to worry about not falling asleep again, or waking up, and it was tough. Uh, here I have Gina, so I will be uh, calling, I will respond to Gina in a second. Uh, I will finish now with the with the 10 steps. So that's very important, you need to get enough sleep. And finally, the step number 10, uh, find a highly qualified yoga teacher who will teach you individually. Don't go into a class. A good yoga teacher doesn't teach big classes because you don't know what is good for one person is maybe actually dangerous for another person. Find an individual, if you can afford it, or barter, an individual um, yoga teacher who will teach you techniques to master negative feelings because they are wonderful yoga 
techniques just specifically dealing with depression. And now uh, we'll talk to Gina. Uh, Gina, you're on the air. Thanks for calling, Gina. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I am doing very well, Gina. Thanks for calling. You have a question or a comment? Yes, I do. Um, part of part of what you would, you have been tell, telling, sharing with us is kind of my, kind of answers this. But I was wondering, do you have um, a good protocol for for people who have a fight or fight fight or flight behavior? I'm, I'm sorry, I did not understand sight. Sight, fight or flight is more like white coat syndrome. Oh yes, yes, yeah. It's it's actually there is a term. Uh, it's uh, white coat hypertension, for example. Yes, mm-hmm. when people go to see a doctor and. and their blood pressure suddenly is like 180. And when they measured it at home, it's 120. That's right. what you're talking about? Right. And not only that, it's just that in, in certain circumstances, they get very, very confused and very, um, they have a meltdown and they don't know how to handle uh, the situation. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really alluding to like helicopter parents. I see... I see certain traits in in the children. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, once Does you parents, it, I, I am a parent it, myself, and I remember uh, my my daughter is in London studying, and with all my knowledge, I remember Hannah uh, told me that she had COVID, and then I couldn't reach her. The next day, we usually talk almost every day. She calls. She, we, we we were very very close. Uh, just to say hello, and suddenly she tells me that she has COVID, and then there is no answer. I call her for a day, um, all day, and there is no answer. And of course, that night I did not sleep. <laughs> I did not sleep. I tried to calm down till I spoke to her again. You know, I could not rest. So when you, I don't consider that helicopter parent. I mean, I mean the parent that. Uh doesn't let the child make decisions on their own. They're always directing them and, you know what I'm saying? It's like they don't have time to, to develop their own uh, sense of reasoning or uh, their own power of intention. That's what I mean. But worrying about a child and intuition, that's a little bit different. I had an intuition of my son creating down a hill in California. He was in college then, and I called him the day two next, and he says, I said, is everything okay with you? Is your car right? Oh, no, my tires are bald. I have to turn them into the curb. I said, go to sit. Your tires are brakes or whatever. But that that I call more like apparent intuition. What what, what do you think? Okay, I got it. Yes, yes, I understand. So now I understood what you meant. Helicopter parenting is like more uh, uh, trying to to control, if you will, or manage what their children do, what choices they make to make sure they don't make mistakes and so on. Yes, I have yeah. something to say about it. I have something to say. Or, 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 you know, just every little thing that they do, you're watching and, and commenting and directing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends really how old the children are. Because mm-hmm. if age of five, six, maybe seven the most, 
you mm. really need to be present to what they do and direct them. There is a wonderful Indian, East Indian saying, treat your son from birth to five as a king, from five to 15 as a servant, from 15 mm. on as a friend. And it's so, mm. so deep because from the age of, from birth to five, they really don't have the reason. Um, mm -hmm. They don't understand why they think, uh, want to do things, why they don't. So mm -hmm. you punish them, you, you paralyze their will, you create fear in them. So you need to treat them as a king because with love, you even if they make a mistake, they, you guide them uh, and support them in every possible way. From 5 to 15 as a servant, because after the age of 5, sometimes 6, 7, they already understand things, and you need to teach them order, order, uh, mm -hmm. order. And that is uh, gently, but you uh, not punish them, but direct mm -hmm. them, make the right choices. I give you an example. Uh, like, for example, I never, never, both, never punished my children. They really, first, I never raised my voice, thank God. And it sounds strange, like, but I, I have to, I, I'm boasting, of course, but I tell you how I accomplished it. Uh, I would, I always told them uh, alternatives, please do this and do this. And when mm -hmm. I would see, let's say, something is not happening, I would say, you know, the, the other way is it cannot, if it's not done, unfortunately, we'll not be able to do that and that, for example. Like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I would love to us to go to see a movie um, after we all make beds on Sunday morning, you know, after you made your bed, uh, mom and, and I make our bed. Uh, and I hope, you know, we'll all manage to do it. Uh, let, let's look at the, I'm talking about my children being eight and four. And when the clock is showing 10 o'clock, you know, we have to have breakfast and then we go. And then it's 10 o'clock and the bed is not made. And I don't yell, I don't scream, I don't say, why didn't you do it? I just, okay, guys, 10 o'clock, let's have breakfast. We have breakfast and now they're going to the car. We go to see movies. I say, no, 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 I really was excited to see the movie, but unfortunately you, di you didn't choose to do that. I mm. say, why? No, no, we want to go. No, but you, you <laughs> chose not to make your bed. Remember I told you in the, in, in the morning that we need to make, go, let's go now and see our bed. You see the bed is made and you chose not to do it. Well, I hope next time you will choose otherwise. And, and of course they would cry and say, oh no, no, we'll do it, we'll do it now. Yeah, but now we are late for the movie. That's what was planning. And for the afternoon, we plan something else. Okay, I hope you make a better choice for the afternoon. This is it. Mm -hmm. And you do it several times and, and then they learn. I, and and mm -hmm. I, I honestly did it. Something else, and I, you know, I would give you examples of other people, but I fortunately have uh, experience in my personal life, so I'm sharing with you my personal mm -hmm. experience. Uh, uh, not for thinking about that. That that that's something that I would also have done. Also, give them the choice and yeah. to have them make their own decision and then know that the positive outcome would come from making that decision. And it's like, but the one that does not give the, you know, it has to be their way or, you know, or there's, there's, there's a, you know, there's, 
it's just it's just too much of direction, too much not giving them a chance to make a decision and 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 see, you know, what you said, the choice, the, the choice is not there. You know what I'm saying? It's like always directing, always uh, into uh, interfering with the flow of some um, an action or uh, you know that that's what I'm kind of alluding to, and 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 more or less in the teenage years, you know, the formative years, but probably. Uh, it start, started from an earlier age, it's just like... Yeah, no, no, no. we will get, Jimna. First of all, let, let's think of hypothetical situation. Let's say you have a sister who is this kind of a helicopter parent, and you see that she's constantly imposing her will on her children. So then, uh, then I would talk to her and say, look, you know, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. And you say, look, you, you've been uh, helicopter parenting and you've been telling them what to do. Are you accomplishing what you want? And also, uh-huh. uh, children with us, a small part of their life, that is the first 15 to 20 years. But you want to have their rela- relationship with them when they leave home. You want them to call. You want them to come for holidays. You want them to spend time with you. And if you, you may succeed in forcing your rule, but then they will run out of house and they will never want to come call you. Is that what you want? Mm-hmm. You, very, very interesting. So you need, you need to explain that it does not produce. Also, children grow with a lot of resentment. You, it's obviously you love your children, you want the best for them, but you must make them make their own choices, particularly, I don't Mm -hmm. know who you are really talking about, but let's, Mm -hmm. again, hypothetically, if your sister, Mm -hmm. if she is spiritual or not, if she believes in what we call God or not, because if she is, then she knows that every person has his, her own journey. There was never a person like her before, never will be. It's the Mm -hmm. same thing with their children. And each person has their unique path. So you, if your experience, let's say, was in a certain, you were betrayed, you were deceived, and now you don't want your children to be deceived, and you will do everything and everything, you don't want them to just trust anybody who talks to them. No, no, this is your experience. They have different experience, allow them to unfold, learn from their own mistakes. Mm-hmm. But you help them of their journey. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I want to tell you something. Uh, when when my son turned 13, uh, and in, in my tradition, uh, we have bar mitzvah, and, and we say, now you're an adult. And of course, a 13-year-old is not an adult. You know this. Mm-hmm. So, but I sat Aaron in front of me, and I said, look, I am telling you now, by our tradition, you are a man, and yet we know that emotionally you're not. But intellectually, and Gina, you and I know that intellectually they already know everything. By 13, they know about sex, they know about crime, they know about money. So I say intellectually, you are a grown person. So from now on, Aaron, I said to him, and you know, Aaron sometimes listens to this show, so he knows, you know, not making it up. Uh, I said to him, from now on, I'm not going to tell you. I used to tell you, no, eat this. This is not good for you. This is bad. Don't do this. Now I am telling you, 
I'm not going to tell you anything, what to do. I'm not going to check your your school report unless you ask me questions. But one mm -hmm. thing I wanted to remember, you have freedom to do what you want. But if you make mistakes, I'm not going to bail you out. You mm -hmm. are going to live with the consequences of your choices. And, mm -hmm. and <laughs> believe me, uh, it, it kind of made him grow up. And in all the years, he made only one time a mistake, and I made him pay. That is, a, I, when he was 14, they were like, you know, in Montclair, it's like a nice area, and they wanted to put stuff to graffitis. People, kids started doing graffiti on, on, on big areas, you know, on buildings. And so, and just recently, you know, I gave a talk to Montclair Police Department on on stress. And suddenly, my wife and I in bed, it's like 10 o'clock in the evening, I hear the phone ring, I pick up the phone, and I hear familiar voice. And the man says, hello, this is a sergeant. I say, oh, yeah, I remember you probably asking who want to, to ask me a question about the, the lecture. He said, no, I want you to pick up your son. <laughs> we, we, we got him because he and two of his friends were doing graffiti. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, listen, who is staying overnight? You know, it was 10 o'clock in the evening. He said, oh, I, at, at 8 o'clock, I just started. So I stay all night. I said, thank you. Have a nice night. Watch over my son. I will pick him up tomorrow morning. My mm. wife was crying, saying, you are a killer. You're torturing your little boy, our boy. Mm. No. In the morning, I picked him up. I took him to the school where they did graffiti, asked the principal, how much will it cost to repaint? And she said, $900. And I said to him, oh, wonderful, Aaron, from your birthday, you know, bar mitzvah, <laughs> you saved $1,200. So you will still have $300 left. Wonderful. And he paid $900. And that was one time that he did this, you know, where he made a mistake. And from that, no, I didn't have any problems with him. Perfect. Perfect. And even now he's 24. He calls and asks questions. Because I never mm -hmm. imposed answers on him. Mm -hmm. I believe, like, you know, honestly, we all periodically do life assessment. I'm 68 years old, and I thought of what I achieved in my life. And I'm telling you, Gina, the biggest achievement of my life is that my both children grow up be, being hum, good human beings and still mm -hmm. want exactly. to talk to them. Exactly. Yeah, so... That's, that's, oh God, look how much time is running fast. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> three o'clock. So, so. Well, this I think is a valuable lesson. It's something you haven't touched on before. And I think everybody listening maybe benefits from this also. Thank, thank yeah. you for asking a question. So, thank you me. have to trust your children and yep. know that they're responsible for the choices they make and don't bail them mm -hmm. out. Don't bail them out. Let mm -hmm. them pay the price. And, and that's okay. Gina, thank you thank very you. much for calling. God You're bless welcome. you. And I thank hope you. you you call again. Okay. Uh, and what is what 
I want to know what that bumper. I, I love the end of the show with the bumper music. I bounce around the kitchen, but I don't understand. Some of it sounds like a horse in the back, braying in the back. Could you give me a little insight on on that? No idea. I one time I, I heard the melody. You know, my my nephew oh. was playing, and I asked him to send me the little clip. Oh, okay. And then when they asked me how to end the the show, yeah. I sent it to them. Yeah. Yeah, Makes me it, happy. It, <laughs> anyway, thank you very I much. Who it is, but I just like the melody. So did I. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Gina. You be well. Okay, and everybody, we I didn't realize how fast the time ran, but we're coming to an end uh, of our show next a week. God willing, uh, we'll talk about another subject that I wanted to talk to you, and that is pride. And also, you're welcome to prepare your questions. And again, send me an email if you want me to send you um, the list of values and you will work with the list. It's a very good thing for yourself to identify what is really important to you in life. Again, thank you for your attention today and your participation. Uh, you have a wonderful week. Be happy. A peace to all who want to live in peace.